Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Thank you for that long introduction. I'll turn the rest of the day over to you. Yep, and as Billy said, we know sometimes in our life we see uncertainty, um, but we know the Lord is always certain. Um, nothing catches him by surprise. That was 2008, almost 14 years ago. Um, and we know the Lord has continued to um, guide our guide our steps. Um, and I was thinking as little Frankie was reading, uh, uncertain uncertainty always as parents. We don't know if we're doing a you know the the best job. But an 11 year old that can read Laodicea without stumbling, there's gotta be gotta be something. Gotta be something. So um, as Frankie read, we're gonna be in Colossians. Chapter one, I guess like a a brethren preacher, I think the last four times I've spoken, we've been in Colossians one in different sections. So um, taking my time and study through it and um, the Lord has definitely, um, definitely given me um, blessings through his word in the, in these verses. And um, as always, I feel privileged um, to be able to share those with you um, and hope um, that they leave you all with something as well. Um, in Colossians chapter 1, um, if you remember anything, you know Paul hasn't, he's never met. And as Frankie read in, in chapter 2, Paul mentions he's never seen them face to face. And here he is writing them a letter. They don't know who he is, but he didn't really take much time at the very beginning to introduce himself. Um, in in chapter 1, verse 1, he just said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Um, and then said who he was um, writing the letter to, the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And then he really went into who Jesus is. Right? That was the struggle. That was the struggle with the Colossian believers, with the saints in Colossae. They had this false teaching which taught them all kinds of craziness about who Jesus is, who Jesus was, um, that he didn't have one of the things that we'll go into in this section. They taught that he didn't have a physical body. He couldn't because all matter was evil. And they taught that he was just one of many steps towards full knowledge of who God is. And so Paul in those first really 18, 19 verses is... He was focused on teaching who Jesus is. Um, and he got to that, that climax in, in verse 19 and 18 and 19, talking about the preeminent one. He is one who should have the preeminence for it pleased the father in verse 19, that in him should all fullness dwell. There's nothing else. There's nothing greater. There's nothing, no one No step more godly than God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. All fullness dwells. And then Paul makes the transition to explaining who he is. And what better a transition in explaining who I am, who you are, who Paul is, and any believer, than the gospel. Do people know me 
through my connection with Jesus most of all? Is that what people know about me? If anyone knows me and says, well, I know Frankie, I know, you know, in the school realm, I know Mr. Gomez is the first thing that they say that he's a Christian is the first thing that they say he knows Jesus or as um, as those early the, those early detractors and in, in the book of Acts said of, of Peter and John that took note that they walked with Jesus. Is that the first thing that they know about me? Paul, in his transition and speaking about Jesus, then talking about himself and who he is, he uses the gospel to make that transition. In verse 20, I know Frankie started reading in 21, but in verse 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross, remember he was taught telling who Jesus is, he made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. That transition is very important to those Christians in Colossae because, again, remember those steps, those steps, well, you know, there's this prophet and then this saint and then this person and then Jesus and then angels and then, and they had all these steps. No, Jesus reconciled all things to himself all the way from earth to heaven. He's the only step from earth to heaven. And then that reconciliation. And we understand the word reconciliation. And I'm sure Frankie or Sebastian would be able to tell the Sunday school definition of reconciliation to be made friends with again. But that to have that relationship connection forged once again, um, forged again together, again, that false teaching that would hit that false teaching right in the face of there aren't other steps, Jesus Christ reconciled you straight to God. And in explaining the gospel to the, to the believers in Colossae, Paul is going to focus on that reconciliation. The introduction of him that, that he gives of himself, um, he speaks of three things. There at the end of verse 23, as a minister of the gospel. And then in 24 and 25, a minister of suffering. He's been made a minister to suffer for them, for the Gentiles. And in verses 28 and 29, he's striving for all the saints. So sharing the gospel, suffering for the Gentiles, and striving for all the saints. Paul is going to focus on those three things of that's who he is. Because again, remember, he's ne- they've never met him. No doubt they had heard some things about him. He's a, he's a political prisoner in Rome, and no doubt his enemies said, were using that against him, that he was a prisoner. Um, that's, what the, that's what they knew about him. And so now he's going to frame what they may have heard about him into those three things, that he is sharing the gospel, he's suffering for them, for Gentiles, and striving for all the saints. So again, the gospel in this section is explained through its reconciliatory aspect. Um, a lot of people draw lines, and, and people on different, uh, different ends of 
calling themselves Christians, they draw lines. The gospel is this, the gospel is that, the gospel is this, but the gospel is what scripture says it is. And in this section, Paul focuses on that reconciliatory aspect of it. And again, that makes sense given the struggles of that particular church. And he begins by reviewing their own spiritual journey as ones that have been reconciled. In verse 21, he reviews their past alienation. And you that were sometime alienated, estranged. Um, and he doesn't stop there, alienated and enemies in your mind. He continues, by wicked works. It's not just bad luck that you were born alienated from God. It's not just the human condition, although it is the human condition that we are born alienated from God. It is our wicked works which also alienates us. We are not only moved when we're reconciled. We're not only moved positionally. And that was, again, one of the false teachings. You need to move positionally up towards God. But we're not only moved positionally. We have to be moved to repent. We have to be moved to repentance. There should be a change in our life. That word repent to change your mind. That's, that's a part of salvation. We know the carnal mind is enmity, active hostility towards God. We needed to be reconciled. We needed to be made to be made friends again with God, not just because positionally we were away from God, but because our wicked works work hatred towards God. Then he moves into their present reconciliation and what that means. We cannot, and they did not reconcile themselves to God. He, it says at the end of verse 21, yet now hath he reconciled. God took the initiative. God took the initiative with his grace and love. The eternal father sent that eternal son to die on a cross that we could be reconciled to God. Um, in verse 22, Paul focuses on that physical body of the Lord Jesus in the body of his flesh through death. Again, focusing on that, uh, on that false teaching that was there that, that Jesus did not have, that Jesus Christ did not have a physical body. Yes, he did have a physical body. Um, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Unblameable and unreprovable. Again, their philosophy um, that they had been learning that all matter was evil caused them to draw the false conclusion that Jesus didn't have a physical body. Um, and later in chapter 2, Paul warns them to beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. We need to make sure that our knowledge of God, what we believe about God, what we believe about the gospel, what we believe about our salvation, comes straight from Scripture. Not what we can think of on our own. Right? Philosophy is that 
idea that if we think hard enough and we make observations hard enough, we can come to a full knowledge of the universe around us and of all the ideas that we have. And as believers, we know that that is not true. We can come to very surface conclusions, but we cannot come to a full understanding of who God is without the inspired word of God. And to know who he is and what he has done for us. Sometimes our thinking can lead us astray about different things. And and talking with believers that have been led astray or have let their minds lead themselves astray. They say, well, I don't believe God would do this or I don't believe God would do that. But that very thing that they don't believe God would do, he has done. And it says he has done it and he will do it in his word. So our philosophy, our, our, our thinking, right? our hearts are desperately wicked. And will lead us to believe things about God that are not true. We need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Paul makes it clear Jesus had this fully human body that he bore our sins on that body on the cross. And then he tells them the purpose of their reconciliation. It was not the purpose of reconciliation. Again, is not just positional. It's not just to be proud that we are close to God and others are not. The purpose of our reconciliation is holiness is sanctification, as we were talking about this morning a little bit. In verse 22, he says, to present you, right? going from the end of 21, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Unblameable. And that word, was, was used of temple sacrifices without blemish. Without blemish. It's, it's amazing to think, and we spoke a little bit about that this morning, that God sees us without blemish. Right? And he sees us as we will be. And that work that is in us is to make us what He already sees us to be unreprovable, unreprovable, free from accusation, free from accusation. Um, Once reconciled, no charges can be brought against us. We know that Satan, the accuser of the brethren, as he's presented in Revelation 12, would love to bring charges against us, but God does not hear them. He does not accept them. Um, We know that Zechariah, Zechariah 3 goes into Um, He will not hear them. People may have accusations against us, um, but those accusations cannot change our relationship with God. Um, It is most important. It is most important how we look in His sight. Not working on this earth as men pleasers, not not worried about how we look in others' eyes, although we do seek to, to live that, that, have that personal righteousness to, to keep our breastplate clean um, in this world. 
and people may have accusations against us, but it is most important how we look in God's sight. Next, he goes into their future glorification in verse 23. Their future glorification. If you continued, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Paul had already mentioned this hope in verse 5, the hope which was laid up for you in heaven. Later in verse 27, he would, he would say the hope of glory. Um, that hope that is that every believer has, the hope of the gospel, be not moved away. But what does that, that if mean? If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled. It does not suggest doubt or lay a condition on our hope. It doesn't lay a condition on our salvation. Um, there's that architectural language there grounded and settled. Colossae was in a region that was prone to earthquakes and grounded and settled were architectural terms used there in Colossae to make sure that a building would not be shaken um, in the way others um, would be shaken. So what Paul is saying there is, be not moved away. Do not be earthquake stricken. And he's saying, if you are truly saved, if you are truly saved and built on the solid foundation, Jesus Christ, you will continue in the faith. And no earthquake will move you. You have heard the gospel, trusted Jesus Christ, and he has saved you. We're not saved by continuing in the faith. We continue in faith and thus prove that we have been saved. This would be so important to the Colossian believers, showing the way to those around them that have been swayed by this false teaching. False teaching, false teaching leads to, it leads to, to unhealthy living, to sinful living, or painful living. Painful living. And the true believer would be unshaken. The true believer would continue in the faith, being an example to those around them in what that faith looks like, what that hope looks like. And not being tossed around and shaken by the circumstances around them. So Paul introduces himself as this minister of this gospel, sharing that gospel. And then in verse 24 through 27, shows his suffering for them, for the Gentiles. Paul's enemies had made it well known that he was a prisoner of Rome, and they would have used that against him. Paul uses that fact to make a stronger relationship, to forge a stronger relationship with these believers in Colossae. He is saying at the end of verse 23, he says, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister who now rejoices in my suffering for you. I rejoice in my suffering for you. I've heard of your faith and it causes me joy in my suffering knowing that it's for you. 
He rejoices because his suffering was because of Jesus. Right? The fellowship, he was a part of the, the fellowship of his sufferings, like he tells the believers in Philippi in um, Philippians 3.10. The fellowship, joining the fellowship of the sufferings. Rejoice in my sufferings for you. Um, he, he rejoiced because his suffering was for them. You know, sometimes um, we might we might take for granted the work that Paul did in bringing it to the gen- bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, and how he suffered for that. He had no place in Jerusalem, and he had no place in Rome. He had no place in the Gentile cities for very long before he was thrown out. The the work that that the Lord did through Paul in bringing it to the Gentiles, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, that's how we know the gospel today. And though church history is littered with, with terrible, terrible examples of the Lord Jesus, that we can see how God has worked to bring the gospel to the entire world. And it started with those 12 in Jerusalem, and then Paul, as one born out of due time, was was tasked with bringing it to the Gentiles, would end up in the palace at Rome. And it would end up in the gospel and the Lord, the name of Jesus would be known throughout the world and would be brought to us 2000 years later. Paul suffered for them. The gospel would have never made it to Colossae if it hadn't made it to Galatia. And we, and you know, early on in in his letter, he, he, you know, talks about how he knows Epaphras and, and that relationship there, Epaphras being from Colossae, and makes the connection there. Um, he rejoiced because he was suffering for the body. He was suffering for the church. Um, you know, he said in the end of verse 24, um, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Obviously, he wasn't suffering in a sacrificial way. Only Jesus could do that. But in that exemplary way, that, that suffering is, this suffering is a part of his ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, and it may be a part of your suffering, of my, of, of my ministry for the Lord Jesus. Suffering may be a part of it. It is not a sign that I'm not doing the right thing, but in, most cases, it's a sign that we are doing the right thing. So, and he saw, uh, so his rejoicing in his suffering and his responsibility in his suffering in verses 25 to 27. He would not abandon his calling for comfort or safety. He's fulfilling the word of God. I'm in verse 25 to 27. He was made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches 
of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. They were were Gentiles. And Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm one of the reasons I'm suffering, really the only reason I'm I'm suffering is because I brought I, I I brought this gospel to people like you, to Gentiles. He could have been comfortable. He could have been more comfortable if he had if he had more fellowship with Peter, if he had more fellowship with them. He was on his own in a way. He was on his own in a way. We know that he had those that would come and help him and minister to him. But it would have been even more of a comfort if he would have just stayed with his people. But he went out to the Gentiles. And that's what God told him to do. That's what he did. It was his responsibility. And praise the Lord, he went through with his responsibility, fulfilling his mission. That mystery which was hid from ages and from gener- generations. Right? That God would make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he goes into his striving for the saints. Right? We saw his sharing of the gospel, his suffering for the Gentiles, and now his striving for all the saints. Um, he starts with his instruction, preach and warning, preach and warning whom we preach. Speaking of Christ, Christ, we preach warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It is that the theme verse of the camp that's close to here, um, Camp Horizon, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. For everybody, it's for everybody. And those that that aren't believers, we, we warn every man, we teach every man, we preach to every man. Um, that was his instruction. What The main thing that he knew he was doing what God Asked him to do if he was preaching, if he was warning, if he was teaching. He knew he was doing what God had called him to do. And then his intent in this striving for the saints, his intent. We can see in um, in these verses up to from 28 to 2, 3. We see encouragement, endearment, enrichment. And enlightenment, um, encouragement, um, teaching every man in all wisdom that we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That um, endearment, um, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, um, enrichment unto all riches and the full assurance. And understand of understanding and enlightenment to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, to whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he goes in, in verses 29, uh, verse 29, and then 2 1, he talks about his intercession. 
um, for them, his work for them. Um, For I would that you knew in chapter two and verse one, what great conflict I have for you, for them at Laodicea and for as many as not have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul knew that the ministry, the, the, the planting that he had done uh, was bringing forth fruit now in other areas. Um, and he, he wanted to be there with them, but he was trusting the Lord that the Lord's, that the Lord would go forward and make sure that work was done. Um, even though he was in prison, um, I know sometimes, you know, if we've been involved in ministry and we know people have been saved, we can't be with them. And that, that conflict that we have for them, the prayers that we say for them, the, um, if you've been a counselor at a camp or if you've been a youth, a youth, a youth worker or you've worked with, with people that you no longer have that close contact with, how you pray for them and you intercede for them, you, you ask that God would continue to guide them and lead them in the right direction. Um, we can feel, I know I can feel um, what Paul is, is feeling about these Colossian believers that just praying that the Lord would continue that work in them, that they wouldn't all go astray and follow this false teaching, but that they would stick to the knowledge of who Jesus is um, and what they know the gospel to be. Um, and mainly these verses here in, in Colossians chapter one, they they lead me to ask myself this question all the time. Am I fulfilling Am I fulfilling my God-given ministry? What God has given me, the fields that he's laid before me, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to do, what he wants me to do? Um, the ministries that he's given me, am I making use of those opportunities? Do people know me by Jesus? Is Jesus what they know about me and my relationship with him? The gospel, is that what they know about me? Um, and then am I fulfilling that ministry that God has given me to do? Um, let's close in a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you. Um, we thank you for uh, this time that we can be together in fellowship. And we thank you for your word that we all have so readily available to us to study it and to read it, to listen to it. Um, to hear it preached. Um, Lord, we pray that um, as these verses from um, this section of Paul's letter to the believers in Colossae, um, as these verses are on our minds and on our hearts um, for as long as you would have them to be, um, we pray that we would be um, encouraged um, to fulfill that mission, the ministry that you have given each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that the people around us would know us first and foremost by the gospel that we have believed. Um, that they would know us through the, the sufferings that, that we go through for the gospel. They would know us through our striving with and for other believers. Um, that they would that they would know us, um, that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, we pray that you would take us back to our homes and 
in safety today. Um, again, we thank you for the time that we can spend um, with fellow believers. Let me pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.